on this week's episode of Polk and Kush, Zion, oh Zion, where art thou, oh Zion? We get into the travails of the Pelicans' big man who is missing. We talk about the Saints and their win over Washington and all of where they are headed. Plus, we've got all sorts of LaToya news. We've got overrated, we've got underrated, and the worst Stick around, Polk and Kush. We'll be right back right after this word from our friends at Ale on Oak. That's right, Ale on Oak, the nicest patio in all of Uptown. Your favorite place to go catch the Pelicans, the Saints, Tulane LSU, anybody you want to go watch in the big screen. They got them there. They have 30 beers on tap. Wonderful food, wonderful people, beautiful employees, and an essentially located location. I don't know why you'd want to spend your time anywhere else except for Ale on Oak. So please go check them out. They are right there on the corner, right near Carrollton and Oak Street, just steps away from the streetcar line. That's right, everybody, Ale on Oak. And with that, let's start it up. Welcome everyone to Polk and Cush. It's Thursday, October 14th, 2021, and Zion is back in the news. Mr. Andrew Polk, how do you do? I'm good. <laughs> is Zion back in the news for something great? Of course. Of course. Is it, uh, is it a recap of a couple weeks ago when he said that anyone that knows him knows that he loves New Orleans? Because, <laughs> you know, that was really all the questions you have about this franchise, about kind of a, a culture of not winning, of of superstars wanting to leave. Whenever you hear a player say that they like um, the city, yeah, it just makes you feel better. Uh-huh, definitely. I don't see how that could ever go wrong. Uh, you know, we obviously will get into plenty of Pelicans, plenty of Saints, uh, and plenty of local news uh, on this here very episode. But just to start with, uh, Polk, how, how is life? How are things going? How is your weekend or your uh, week? I don't really remember. Um <laughs> But I will give the fans what they came here for. The tires, they're gone. And it was, you know, thanks to the city, uh, LaToya came out. She (laughs) picked the tires up. No, of course it wasn't LaToya. Of course it wasn't the city. It wasn't our fine men at IV garbage disposal. It was my fucking landlord and his Honda Civic. Well, he came and mowed on like Friday or Saturday, and I came home. I was like, "That's weird. The grass around all of the filth is shorter." And I was like, "Something else is afoot." And I was like, "Where the fuck are the tires?" I figured they just they were in the yard yeah. or in my living room, yeah, in the bathtub. Yeah, yeah. But I I I knew that something was afoot. My beautiful landlord Tommy, he. Drives a Geo Metro. He loaded up the back seat with the filthy, piss-covered tires and uh, left them in the Walmart parking lot on Veterans Boulevard. No, apparently. And it's unfortunate, but this is something people in New Orleans need to know, is you can go to the trash dump in Elysian Fields, uh-huh. and uh, one day a month, they accept tires. There we go. So that one day a month, very popular. Uh, there, you know, you've, you've gen- donated to the future bouncy balls of America. Hopefully. Uh, all, all sorts of Mardi Gras uh, throws will be occurring because of those tires. So thank you for your donation, the Circle of Life uh, continues uh, here in the garbage heap that is New Orleans. I think of the Sarah McLachlan song that played during that video of like the dying animals. 
That's what I. That's what I hear whenever I think of the tires. They they grew with us. <laughs> In the they, arms of an angel. It was it was May until October. <laughs> um, what a, it was five five months of tires. Oh my God! And do I miss them? Kind of, because the construction on the street, I wanted to see what they would do with them, because now they're digging up the entire street, and they're running into obstacles of all the other people's garbage, so I kind of just wanted to see what they would do with it, if they would bury it and put some men over it, but it didn't come to that, and it was all thanks to not the city, not the people whose job it is, not 311, not 311, Nobody's <laughs> no. nobody's getting out of this one. Fend for yourselves, assholes. That yeah. should be, they should put that on the on the welcome to Orleans Parish. I mean, how how far away are we from just hey, if somebody's doing a crime, bring them to us. Just there's going to be like an open door jail <laughs> where if you catch somebody burgling your house and you're able to apprehend them, just take them down to the self-serve prison on Elysian Fields and throw them in. It's, we've turned the entire city into the lane at the grocery store where you check yourself out. It's a self-checkout for crime. <laughs> Remember the first time you went to the grocery store and you're like, why would I check my own grocery? Yeah. That's what I... That's what the other person does. Well, now you're like, well, it saves a little time, you know. Well, this is this is a tale of two <laughs> cities because the first time I saw the self checkout, I was like, man, I can steal a lot more. <laughs> I'm just over there scanning a big screen TV, going beep, or like typing it in as an apple. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you scan the peanut M and M's and you put the uh... yeah. I put the PlayStation Five in the cart. Oh God. Uh, well. You know, R.I.P. to the tire pile. Obviously, uh, probably the most popular character uh, on this podcast we've ever had. Certainly more popular than me. Uh, R.I.P. tire pile. We will miss you. Uh, I'm certain the surrounding garbage will fill up with something uh, interesting soon enough. Uh, as we await the next pile of garbage to sit outside of your house, uh, we are waiting for a large pile of man uh, to return to a basketball court. Uh, that being one, Zion Williamson uh, has not yet reported for duty. Uh, Zion, as you recall from Media Day, they said he broke his foot earlier in the summer, sometime before Summer League. That would mean like July. Uh, it's mid-October. Zion is still not running uh, on the basketball court. He is still not participating in practice. Uh, and so here we sit kind of wondering... Well, what the hell's going on here? You're referring to Zion Williamson, right? That's the Zion okay, number two. Yeah. Yes, not the national. All team. right. Now, uh, has anybody addressed this? I know there was some light fluffery about he's going to be ready for the season. No need to worry. Ship is sailing. Everything's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. uh, has there been any follow-up on that? Uh, so Willie Green said that he is not yet running. He is, however... To make you feel was he running better. before? <laughs> What's the... He was just bowling through people uh, to make you feel a little better. He is practicing free throws. So the same thing that my uh, grandfather used to do at the gym when he was 80 years old. Zion can do that. So right. that's good. Uh, so he's got that going for him. But, yeah, it, it sounded like he's pretty stationary. Uh, ball they said he's working on conditioning, but he's not running. So I don't really know what that looks like. I guess one of those underwater treadmills that don't have any impact on your foot. The whole thing is a little odd, uh, but that seems that to be... That sounds like a lot of sauna day to me, yeah. wearing the hefty bags. <laughs> I, mean, I don't quite know what to make of it, but if you'll recall uh, from Media Day, David Griffin said the following. This uh, timeline should get him back on the court prior to the season. That would be our hope. That would be our view. We're very optimistic about what that's look what that looks like. Unfortunately, I know that will be a very big negative seen as a very big negative for all of you speaking to the press. It's not really for us because we've been dealing with it all offseason. We're very confident about where things are and very confident about the improvement, uh, what the improvement will be. 
Uh, so just, you know. I like the wild separation of, it's a problem for you guys, but we've been dealing with We're it. We're good. I assure you it's a bigger problem <laughs> for you than it is for the fans. Because you're going to get fired. Uh, it's insane. The team will have no fan. We'll, we'll move on. <laughs> the Mavericks are close. The Rockets are as good as the Pelicans have been in the last oh, two or three years. We'll we'll be fine, Griff. How about you? Are you going to be okay? It's insane, man. And it, he was, you know, he was positive about it. That's good. He's positive, yeah, about, he's positive everything. about everything. Yeah, it really just takes away a lot of the the optimism that he speaks with about everything has just started to wear so thin in credibility at this point. It's like it's good to be an optimist. I don't. Sh- fault him for being an optimist however it starts to come off as a sales job at a certain point when the optimism never really comes to fruition of being things that are positive that kind of needs to you know translate from one to the other i'll also read you the quote from zion on media day he said quote i expect to be back for the first game first official game i would say well, the first official game is a week from right now when we're recording, mm-hmm. and he's still not running. Uh, w- that seems difficult to believe that he'll be able to play. When asked today about it, Willie Green basically said, look, I- I'm not the guy to talk to about this. Griff will give an update uh, once the scans are all complete, and I guess Zion will talk at that point as well. Uh, this is all to say that this is not going to plan. Now, maybe the Pelicans medical staff had thought about this and maybe they knew that there were scenarios in which he doesn't get back on the court and maybe there wasn't a significant setback. So there's one of two things that happens, right? They either misled the public or there was a setback. There's no third option. Could it, it could also be both of those options. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true, too. <laughs> yeah, that's true, too. Let's not shut off any options. <laughs> that here. is true, too. So it's either one. There's it two. just it seems like outside of the press, outside of the glossy statements, outside of any sort of actual verified timeline, I'm sure, of course, he's injured. Of course, he needs time to heal. But it's just do the fans have enough energy to care this takes no. out all of the wind from the sails of giving a fuck about this team to yeah. start off. And for a team in this position of absolute must win, not having anyone care is going to be a bigger deal than maybe the Griffs are anticipating. Mm-hmm. I don't feel enthusiastic. No, <laughs> I don't. I know how you can. Honestly, like, how can you be fired up other than just be like, oh, it's been a while since I got to watch the team? And outside of that, if we're feeling that way, I I bet the team is feeling that way, too. Yeah, to at least some degree. I I would think that no one on this team is really excited, really raring to go. Mm -hmm. Um, You're going to have your happy blurbs, your quotes, your tweets, your. Yeah, I'd love (laughs) I love New Orleans, but. (laughs) Just there is a there's a funk over the city right now and the Pelicans kind of just hoping that everybody puts up with it is a general attitude that the city has been begging people. I mean, what did, what did Latoya say? Like, stay humble, be patient. <laughs> like, yes. I'm I'm humble, I'm patient, <laughs> but I also just hit a wall of not caring. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I'm hitting that wall a, a much sooner than I anticipated. Yeah, I, everyone has sort of crossed into the river of apathy. I, I think you've got a challenging situation for the team in that they are selling Zion as being the thing that would get that would gin up enthusiasm, while at the same time I think they are frustrated with Zion and the fact that he is not being particularly transparent i don't think he's being particularly uh engaged in the process with everything that's going on here he's talked to the media once and this isn't really the fault believe me like i don't stand up for the pelicans all that often as far as their communication skills like i understand there's been problems but like it is on zion to tell people what the hell is going on too like he's not asking 
to clear his name here. Like, he hasn't talked since media day when he said he would be ready to go for the first game. He should probably talk. I think he will talk at some point once these scans all come through and everything that he's getting done. But, like, it is, it feels like both Griff and Zion took the time at media day to essentially punt this story to the next time to say, okay, as long as we just say things are not going to affect this season, then we won't have to deal with it for at least a little while. Well, that was them presuming that there would be another crazy disaster in New Orleans. <laughs> Maybe they'd be they're playing just in kicking the can Kansas down City the street, and they're like, yeah, we won't even – this city will be underwater, <laughs> on fire at the same time, no electricity. We won't be here. Uh, and, you know, not a bad bet on their part. <laughs> on their part, you know, you come up, roll snake eyes. Uh, yeah, they're like, it's been six weeks and the traffic lights are still out. It's, we'll be fine. Let's just get to Austin, Texas. They're gonna be they're gonna be in Kansas City any day now. Uh, once you know another rainstorm passes through, the, uh, Zion is the key to the whole team, which is the most unfortunate part of it for the Pelicans. Like you said, no one really seems to care about this team as a whole. I think if Zion was going to be kind of dominating, become that MVP candidate that people thought he could be, do all the things that he does that are so Zion. The door is wide open, as wide open as it's kind of ever been for this team. LSU sucks and is in a uh, in turmoil for football. The Saints are quite mediocre and not really capturing the imagination of the fan base down here, not nearly to the degree of, like, after three years of Super Bowl buildup, now you're sort of in this, like, eh, maybe they'll make the playoffs kind of thing. The door is open for a young, dynamic 100-watt smile. Like, this is exactly the situation the Pelicans could have, like, kicked the door in and said, all right, let's, like, actually build enthusiasm starting when the season starts. And instead, it's just lack of transparency, lack of faith, lack of fun, all the things that, like, people are so tired of who support this team are just drained. And it's hard to come back and say, like, all right, they're going to tell us that he's out for God knows how much time. There's probably going to be the bursts again. There's going to be all the same bullshit that you've been through. And it's just disappointing. And it's hard to just, it's really hard to generate interest uh, for 82 games when you know this is what, how it's starting. I don't want to just stare into the depths of hell on this. What sure. can the Pelicans do? Yeah. When the inevitable happens, when Zion is out for much longer than anticipated, sure. what can actually happen to get people to give a shit, yeah. to have fun? There are bad teams, and people have fun seeing them. The, <laughs> you know, the Bulls, the, the Wizards, yeah. Memphis for a very long time. People have fun going to these games. Yeah. You know, what can the Pelicans do to get people to give a shit? Because it's not, yes, it's the Zion show. There's another all star player on this team. I can tell you that would be the one guy. And I'm listening to his press conference today. He seemed very upbeat. I think he is looking forward to the opportunity to be the upbeat. Number one guy. He must have been on a sativa yeah. this time, huh? <laughs> he was. He was very engaged. He was very Maybe a CBD. Yeah, he did not seem like he was falling asleep at the microphone. Brandon Ingram uh, is who we're speaking of, obviously, but he. I think he will embrace the opportunity to be the number one guy. The last time he was in this position, the team sucked, but he became an all star. I think he is going to score a lot. I he'll be productive. They'll probably be able to hang in some games, not against really good teams, but on a night-to-night basis, they'll be able to hang tough. The overall problem with missing Zion is that once you've seen point Zion, they sort of built the team around that of like, oh, he can be like the lead ball handler. So they didn't go out and get a high-priced guard this offseason. They got a guy in Devontae Graham who can like run off screens and make some shots and do a little bit of creation, but not nearly the degree that you could put the ball in his hands. Garrett Temple is going to be your starting point guard and the guy with the ball in his hands most of the time or Thomas Sadoransky. I mean, you, you're, you've, 
you've actually put yourself in a more difficult position than Zion's rookie year when at least you didn't know who was going to be that guy. You still had Drew Holiday on the team. You still had some veteran pieces kind of around. This is a much more challenging situation for Ingram to be the guy and to take over this team and have them win games. Uh, they're in a tough spot. Yeah, and, and that's actually that's the Pelicans did the right thing in molding the team for Zion. It's yeah. a, it's a risky move, but uh, you're going to put your chips on the best young player in the league if he's not playing. This team is going to have a hard time making do just because of how they've formulated the players around him. Yeah. Can it be fun? Yeah, maybe. Losing is very rarely fun. It's not going to be fun to lose. It's also just, it's not going to be fun for Zion to come into a deficit. Not starting yeah. off with Zion is it, it's not going to bode well for the rest of the season. And personally for him, coming into a team that's probably lost 10 games by the time he's back, he's, I would think he's thinking, yep, oh, the same old shit. I know. And that is a problem. Like, it does feel like if it was, if he missed 10 games, you know, games 30 to 40 of the season, it wouldn't feel as, as dire right. as this. This feels worse because you're like, he's going to walk in, they're going to be 2-8, and eight, and he's going to be totally checked out. And he might be checked out right now. You know, like, why is he not on, why is his rehab not on check? All that stuff. And it, it does feel as if, like, if they had Willie Green last year and he had a better relationship with him and that you knew that that bond was there and you knew they knew each other and, like, that's a guy that it, it does feel like the players will play hard for and that they will respect mm -hmm. They've screwed up so royally with the Stan Van Gundy thing and someone who I don't think had any interest in really connecting with him as a person and really any connection at all of, of getting them, you know, on a human level. They screwed that up so badly to not have that. And that tether would be so important right now because you're right. Like, dude, if he walks in and it's just this dire doldrumous bullshit and he's this megawatt star and nobody's there to see him and everybody's kind of got their head down. That's a really toxic situation. Yeah. That is a rarity for a guy like him to experience. Yeah. You know, it's like when I walk into a comedy show and there <laughs> I see the openers and we go, these bums. Yeah. These crumb bums this is who I'm working with. This I'm not, I'm not going to do the Arby's material tonight. <laughs> these guys are getting the old notes on the napkin. <laughs> <laughs> these guys aren't going to get anything about my butthole. <laughs> no, nothing, nothing in this set about, about that. Um, yeah, there are other aspects of the Pelicans, but like, did you watch any of the preseason games? The last two preseason Not games? Not live. Least? I watched the quote unquote highlights oh, from the boy. preseason game. Very, you know, a quick watch. <laughs> <laughs> Most of them were TikToks. That's, that's going to be the good thing about the Pelicans this season. All the highlights you can watch on TikTok. 59 seconds. There will be some mentally disabled person doing the doggy. That's what TikTok is. Yeah, it would be like one or two Jackson Hayes uh, tomahawk dunks, and then that will be <laughs> it. So the, I guess the good news there, Hayes and Ingram both supposed to be back for the opener, so at least they'll have that going for them. Yeah. Uh, but those preseason games without Ingram and Zion – we're ugly. A little brutal. Like, Ooh, is this is this what we're looking at here? Well, you know, you run into a buzzsaw like the Chicago Bulls <laughs> with Lonzo Ball. Forty six points. Is that what he scored? No, no. that was how they lost. That was down much, by. Yeah, 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 that's how much they were down by. Oh God! And the Utah game, it felt like at any minute Utah wanted to be up by fifty, they'd be up by fifty. Yeah. Also. to Lonzo is probably going to be. I feel like he'll be an all star this season. Oh, you like Pete Maravich out there against the <laughs> <laughs> If he could play the Pelicans 50 games a year, I think he would definitely be all NBA. I think most. <laughs> uh, I guess we'll get into more total season preview stuff next week when we record. The season opener is next Wednesday night. Uh, I am, you know curious if nothing else i think i'd be a lot more excited if i knew zion was going to be playing doesn't seem like it's going to happen but you know at first blush do you have a thought of where this team like we've talked about it a little bit do you think uh, this is a 9 10 is this like uh they're going to win 25 games and bomb out like where do you sort of 
put your your level of like what's the standard here? This team felt like a cusp nine ten team when Zion was playing full and healthy. Yeah, there's just too many variables to put it beyond that, and when you add on Zion missing however many games yeah. he's going to miss to start off. And it's not going to be the only games he misses this season. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be the only game. Th- this team is going to be clawing for the for the 10 spot. That's what I think. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's hard in general to be super optimistic about this team right now. I will be watching. I will be hoping. I will be praying. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'll be there for the ride. But uh, yeah, I promise the tickets will be cheap. Yeah. I think you'll be able to go to games for nothing. <laughs> I think we got press passes, by the way. <laughs> yes, we got our own suite. They gave I it think to us. so. Yes. After the rousing <laughs> year of show. This is episode 70, by the way. Wow. Christian Clark was on 69. He requested it. <laughs> so we've been doing this for a minute, and it's time we got our due. The Pelicans gave, give us a suite. <laughs> Give it to us. <laughs> if you want to attend a Polk and Kush uh, sweet event, you email us, polkandkush at gmail.com. Maybe we can squeeze you in, get you a hot dog. Anything's possible. Uh, on that note, we will have a word from our brand new sponsor. We will also, of course, be back with Saints Talk, local news, and, of course, segments. So stick around, Polk and Kush. Now a word from our new sponsor, DraftKings. NFL fans hungry for a big win this week? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5. That's right, $5. I think you've got $5 on any NFL team to win their game. And if they do, you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It's that simple. If the sports book is not available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long on DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars Whoa. in total prizes with their first deposit. Now. Just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the promo code KUSH, K-U-S-H, KUSH, K-U-S-H, on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Bet, again, just $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and you could win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with the promo code KUSH this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for customers. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. That's a sponsor. That's a sponsor. Oh, man. Promo code KUSH? I know. We didn't even... (laughs) I requested Polk. <laughs> Did you actually ask that? Did you say which one? I requested Polk and Kush. Oh, okay. They just might gave be us- too long. Yeah, people can't spell. No. That's what I'm true. hoping is that there's like a, some very popular marijuana podcast, <laughs> and they and then they're like, oh, we got a million signups. Here's your million dollars. That's exciting. Uh, that's very thrilling. So, uh, thank you to DraftKings. In case you were wondering. Uh, about the NFL, we really only watch one team. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to talk about the Saints, who win at Washington and now go into their bye week, three and two on the season. I still don't think the Saints are good, but they could very easily be a four and one team right now. And I don't really know what to make of that. I I think that the schedule thus far uh, has been very easy. The teams yeah. are bad, and uh, the Green Bay victory was some kind of holistic wit, like ritual, like the moon was full, you know, Jameis ate a W uh, with newborn, like, virgin blood on his fingers, and the gods came together and the Saints won. Uh, yeah, it's insane that this team could be 4-1. and one. They would be 
they would be a sham four and one sure. team, you know, kind of like the Broncos were a sham three and one team. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the team doesn't look great, which is so weird because, like, again, outside of just blowing that fourth quarter against the Giants, they've pretty much outplayed everyone in the other four games. They've uh, the defense has looked pretty good. Um, and when I say that this team does not look great, you have to take into account all of the injuries. This is still a very incomplete team, and they are coming together. And, yeah, it's good that they're playing goofballs at the beginning of the season because they're going to get healthier, they're going to get into more of a rhythm, and the bye week, which is what we are coming into, comes at the absolute perfect time. Yeah, and it's just like, at one point, the Saints offensive line against Washington was... Like Jane Hurst, Throckmorton, the human my pillow will clap. Like there was some dudes that I was like, these guys had no business. Like no one thought they'd be like having a snap, much less all of them are together on the line. Uh, I think Ramcheck at one point was like the only healthy starting offensive lineman. It it is a. Uh, it's amazing the Saints were able to kind of do anything offensively. The receivers are all undrafted, pretty much, uh, with the exception. I guess Kenny Stills theoretically was drafted, but he's like got cut earlier this year. Uh, they've got nothing, really, except Alvin Kamara. Well, uh, the undrafted thing has always been a staple of Saints. Mm-hmm. Receivers, uh, running backs, uh, that's not... A huge deal, you know. The Saints, they can find their gold where they can find it. Sure. The 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 big takeaway from this game is that uh, when you're relying on Throckmorton. Yeah. <laughs> I kept calling him Brock Hampton. That's a rap group. I mean, it the, the game, I'm going to speak to a personal experience. I'm, I'm No stats, no bullshit. Yeah. I had a very fun time watching this game. Sure. Uh, which, which was something I didn't know if I would feel this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, watching a non-Drew Brees team, this felt like a Brees Saints game. The ups and downs, the oh shit, we should have done that instead of that. Yeah, and the the fourth quarter of just staring at your watch, going, "They could still <laughs> fuck this one up good." It felt like it. It felt like home. It felt like a warm blanket. <laughs> It was a very fun game to watch. I watched it at Finn's, mm-hmm. out on the patio. Everybody there's a lunatic. They yeah. released him from jail <laughs> to go watch the game there specifically. A bunch of soccer hooligans. They don't even like football. They just like fighting people. Yeah. What did you do for the game? How did you feel about it personally? I, I did the opposite. I watched it at home uh, with my very small children, who all they cared about was the helmets. Uh-huh. Uh, the Saints... FYI, wearing helmets. Yeah. Well, my two-year-old informed me of that many times. There was during, a guy at Finn's wearing a helmet. <laughs> we should go there next <laughs> next week. Uh, and I was, you know, annoyed for most of the game because the Saints offense is so kind of uh, just sporadic, I guess is the right word, right? It's not that they're not terrible. At the end of the day, you look at it, and you're like, they did some stuff, you know, like they scored 33 points. They hit a 72-yard pass to Deontay Harris. That was weird. They, like, after a shitty interception, he came back and made a big interception. They hit a Hail Mary at one point, uh, and, and they hit the drive that they needed to to kind of close the game out. It just always felt like a little herky-jerky, and it felt like if Washington had a, uh, a decent quarterback, not even a great quarterback, just a decent quarterback, that they probably would have lost. But Taylor Heineke sucks. And the Saints defense kind of just shut him down for prolonged stretches. And the goddamn Saints punter is the is a magician. He did not get uh, NFC special teams this week. Stupid. Marshawn Lattimore did, which good, great, whatever. Yeah. But Gillikin should have been there with him. Saints kicking yeah. woes continued. Cody Parker. I had him on fantasy one year. He's dead to me. Cody but Parky stinks. Man, the Saints kicking. I don't remember a stretch this bad for a minute. Uh, but the Saints actually did step up and do all of the stuff that we said they should be doing last week. Yeah. They uh, made big plays. They took risk. Uh, the Hail Mary 
was a lot of fun. When was the last time you saw that? It all it felt like bizarrely obvious that he was going to catch it too. Like when you looked, you were like, "Well, he's open." Yeah. <laughs> like, I know there's like several guys around him. I was like, "But there's no one really that's like, is he going to catch this?" And you're like, oh, "That was." Crazy. Well, those plays happen because they actually pass the ball. They pass the ball well into the fourth quarter. Yep. They made the big plays, and Jameis uh, made smarter decisions. You know, I think he had uh, weaker corners that he was able to throw to. Sure. Uh, unlike the Giants, and he made better decisions. I don't know if I still trust him week to week to continue getting better. <laughs> sure. But that clearly seemed to be progress of getting better, maybe being more comfortable uh, and just having better field vision out there. Yeah. It was fun to see the big plays, and it felt good. If you're going to lose, if, if the Saints are going to lose, I would at least like them to take the chances. Yeah. They which threw they the, did not do against the Giants. They threw the ball a lot more. It wasn't necessarily, I, was, I think he only completed 50% of his passes, but that's fine. Like, you need to just do it. And, uh, and they did enough, and Alvin Kamara is a, a wizard, and it was, you know, sometimes that's going to be enough. Let's go through the Saints. So they have the bye week next week, yeah. okay? We know the schedule picks up in difficulty going forward. They're 3-2 and two at the moment. They've got Seattle on the road without Russell Wilson. That's not a very difficult game. Geno Smith. Yeah, is that his quarterback? Yeah. Yeah. Remember him? <laughs> I had no idea he was still in the NFL. Uh, the Buccaneers come here the next week. That's going to be very difficult. Atlanta at home, that should not be. At the Titans, that's pretty tough. At the Eagles, they're bad. And then the Bills on, Chris, on uh, Thanksgiving, that's brutal. Uh, and the Cowboys, that we got to that, that's tough too. But that's not like a murderer's row. There's some tough games in there. But if you kind of hold serve against the three bad teams in that stretch, then you have a winning record going in to December. And it's like, that's crazy that this team could do that with all that they have been missing it seems legitimately impossible that they would be in this situation. But now it seems very realistic that, like, hey, they, I think they could end up with a winning record. I think, like, everything I've seen is, like, they have put this shit together with Band-Aids and bubble gum and duct tape, and they have found a way to kind of be a decent team despite having no players on offense. Yeah, and I think uh, the, the storyline is going to change from can the Saints win. You know, I, I think they're going to find their groove as more and more players come back. I think the narrative is going to switch to are they going to be the number two team in the NFC South at any point? Carolina has a good record. They appear to be a real team. Uh, you know, they just acquired Stefan Gilmore for peanuts, mm -hmm. and they already seem to be somewhat competent. And, of course, Tom Brady. Yeah. So, Saints fans are so spoiled. I know I am. Yeah. Is a winning record. You know, you talk this shit and you're like, you know, if the Saints are just good and entertaining this season, it'll be fun. But, you know, you want. <laughs> That's and, bullshit. And then you watch the fourth <laughs> yeah. quarter of that Giants game and go, like, oh, kill me. This is the worst. Yeah. I'm just thinking, man, four and one. If it was four and one, it would be football gods right now. <laughs> That's not going to happen. <laughs> no. Uh, so anything can happen. I am uh, pleasantly, I guess, surprised they're, they're able to do what they can without guys. I think it will be more disappointing when they get the Onyamadas and Michael Thomases and, uh, you know, just the, they're missing so many. The Eric McCoys. Like, when you're getting those guys back and things still aren't clicking, then it will be more frustrating. At this point... It feels like all of it is a little bit of lanyap right now to be able to win uh, at all. So the Saints should enjoy their bye week. It couldn't have come at a better time. The team has no players. Uh, so good for the Saints, and I think it'll be very interesting moving forward. Yeah, and uh, I pulled up Carolina's schedule. They've got a cakewalk also the next four weeks um, at home against the Vikings. Giants in New Jersey. Daniel Jones currently has a concussion. Yep. He might Too still then. Very shitty. Falcons, case. Patriots. Oof. Then they've got the Cardinals. And then the the R-Skins. And then <laughs> Dolphins. 
So Carolina has a pretty easy schedule as well. Currently, the Saints and Carolina have the same record, but mm-hmm. the Panthers own the tiebreaker, yeah. which how often does a tiebreaker come back to bite the Saints in the ass? I, my come God, on. I know. Well, and honestly, it's probably going to end up being Tampa that wins the division. I think we all kind of. Yeah, yeah, that's the, the point I'm speaking from. Yeah. We're trying to get into that second place. Yeah, it's like that, that does feel like it's where it's all going. Uh, so... A lot to watch. Uh, I am not disappointed at all in the Saints season. I, you know, I've been uh, known to be a pessimist at times, but I'm really not disappointed or upset or anything like that. And so that'll take us into uh, a thing that I am disappointed and upset with in an everyday basis. That is our our fair city, our fair city, our New local, Orleans local roundup. There's so much. This this one is the easiest one to uh, to really write for every single week. Um, <laughs> The first three are all just tweets from Latoya, uh, our mayor. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. Um, She's the best. Latoya celebrated the reconstruction of a yacht harbor <laughs> damaged during Hurricane Katrina. This was tweeted on the eighth. Um, Today I celebrated the completion of the uh, municipal yacht harbor redevelopment project. This is another critical win for the improvement of our city's infrastructure. I um I've, <laughs> I've been to a lot of cities and I don't typically consider the yacht harbor part of the infrastructure. Also, this was damaged during Hurricane Katrina, which was in 2005, which was 16 years ago. The follow-up tweet to this, she a, a big thing people do on Twitter now is when they tweet something that they know is going to get a lot of shit, uh-huh. they'll reply to their own tweet like 10 times to bury all the... So, like, you go to this, and you see she's replied to it three times. Uh-huh. A so, lot of pictures. And then you get to the fourth one, and everybody's like, you crazy asshole. <laughs> but the first couple are like, see, everything's fine. Okay, her follow-up to this is that the Yacht Harbor was severely damaged 16 years ago and was originally awarded this uh, $10 million. After continuing to negotiate and successfully demonstrating the need for more funding, the final award increased to $25 million. Yay. Over 16 years. <laughs> like, inflation-wise. You could have put that money in an index fund did in you, 2005. <laughs> yeah. I don't have a yacht. I know you do. I had a couple. The uh, what the the cush breaker? That's the big one. I don't want to see this kind of shit when I'm driving down the street, and the stop sign is a homeless guy in a red shirt. I would prefer to see a stop sign when you go out of your house and you have to bat seagulls away from your car. Uh-huh. When you go outside and you're being shot at immediately <laughs> by the mailman. <laughs> when you try to park in front of your house and people are already stealing the tires off of your car. Uh-huh. I don't really care <laughs> about the yacht harbor from 16 years ago. Being completed. <laughs> These fucking goons. And but the hey, tweets. Man, it's one of the best cities in America. That was the next the next day. Whoever <laughs> The 16-year-old that schedules these on tweet deck just has to be going like, oh, Jesus, this one's going to be brutal. The, the next day, or maybe it was the day before, shout out to us, 504. New Orleans was named one of the best big cities in the U.S. by Dangerous Criminal Magazine. <laughs> Check out the link to get the full story. Now, this one, they did not reply to 500 times. They should have. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Basically, the consensus is, yeah, this is a good city for tourists. Uh, Sure. Which, I don't know if you read the news, not really. If your name is Becky and you've been to the French Quarter and had a few too many margaritas, not a great city for you either. Yeah. This is... Nonsense. Best city in America? They just pay. The, it's like when you go in an airplane and they have the list of America's best steakhouses. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's whoever sent us money to put their name on this list. 
There's no, there's nothing about it that there's no objective to that ranking. Well, you know the timeline. You're talking about sending money to this to get that ranking. The timeline is lining up with a twenty-five million dollar yacht harbor. <laughs> How much do you think it costs to get named one of the best big cities? You're not a big city either. You're a city. You're not a big city. No, it's not a big city. There's not a single measurement. What did the... Okay, let's... I bet LaToya has a brand new $13 million house in some other city, of yeah, course. Yeah, sure. And then this article cost $1 million. <laughs> yeah, it's your yacht harbor. I'll pay the you. yacht harbor. What the fuck is a yacht harbor? It's a, a wooden planks walking out to the yachts? Did you have to repair the ocean? Did the ocean blow away? I think the, I think the sea was still there. The boats are still fine. You just had to build a walkway. You ever seen a movie? Every movie where there's like a harbor, it's just a walkway to the boats. There's nothing there. You just pull up. God. I I mean, so I know it's not the next on the list, but can we get in like a a little, we're heavy LaToya. Can we get into the the machine gun wielding man? Oh, yeah. (laughs) This is a bonkers story. This is probably one of the, the saddest things that this person 11 years ago was one of six suspects booked in the murder at Canal and Dauphine uh, where the Pato's uh, bartender was killed. Yeah. He shoots how many people on Canal Street? Was it um, nine? Nine people. I believe three had to go. Yeah. So nine people. So this is a a violent criminal. We know this already. Then he's booked again for a mass shooting, and he's released the next goddamn day. The next day. His bail was $46,000. He was able to achieve that and leave the next day. I'm sure it was with hard-earned money. (laughs) Oh, my God. He had a machine gun. This is Friday at 9 p.m. The sun is barely set. People are downtown, they're partying, they're trying to, and then there's a security camera footage of this, and it's very New Orleans, because there's a car just sitting in the middle of the fucking street with its blinkers on. Sure. You see this every time you drive into the French Quarter, then you want to honk at it, but you're like, no, Uh, I bet a guy has a machine gun in there, (laughs) and if I honk at it, it'll start shooting at me. And then uh, during the uh, security camera footage... The shooting starts, and there's a guy, and with the right soundtrack, look, his pants fall down. <laughs> uh-huh. His pants wrap around his ankles, and he just face plants right into the sidewalk. Mm. And then has to caterpillar behind the car while this guy's just shooting a machine gun Jesus in the air. Jesus Christ. I mean, it's like out of a very bad movie. Oh, yeah. Like, like oh, well, this would never happen. It's like, oh, yeah. Like, this is swordfish levels of violence that we're talking about now. And uh, that guy's out on the street, so. Yeah. Hopefully he doesn't listen to the podcast. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) His one day in jail, I'm sure, though, served him uh, exactly what... It was the kick in the pants he needed to get toward a better life. Man. That's, like, beyond frustrating. There has to be, like... um, some kind of business opportunity in New Orleans for like a belt store to be like, hey, you don't want to get shot by a machine gun wielding maniac? Get one of Steve's belts. Get one of those. Get your pants up. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Christ. That guy, that pants on the ground guy from American <laughs> Idol, he's licking his chops. He's like, I didn't say that you'd get murdered, but I should have. Uh, yeah. <laughs> What a reference, the pants on the ground guy. You remember? Uh-huh. He's uh, actually the brother of the rinse too damn high guy. Is that really? No. Oh, I completely that would have been up. great. Uh, do you want to go into the last one here? Edwin Edwards' wife dug up his body 10 weeks after the funeral and had him cremated? I don't know anything about this. Yeah, so apparently, without the wishes of the kids, his wife... Uh, decided that he no longer, she no longer wanted Edwin Edwards to be buried. Okay. She thought cremation was the way to go. And so she dug him up. Is this his wife? Yeah. Jesus, Louise. Edwin Edwards was slick. 
32? Come on. Yeah, he was like 92. Man. It was amazing. Pretty wild story. So the family, not pleased by the, uh, you know, digging up of their dead father. Yeah. <laughs> and so the fact that they buried him probably makes you think they made a choice on that matter. And then she decided, no, that's okay. <laughs> so Edwin Edwards, even in death, is a content-generating machine. This is great. I mean, that is a wild thing to do. Uh, you know, I'm not one for digging up dead bodies, <laughs> but if there was a city I would avoid... <laughs> Uh, messing with the deceased. This would probably be a city that I would highly avoid. So she's going to get cursed, right? You would think it has to happen. I mean... That spirit of... You know, like... This is a Netflix movie. Hot (laughs) 32-year-old digs up her old dead husband. Burns him. What'd she do with the ashes? Who knows, but... Put, put him, him in a t-shirt <laughs> cannon. <laughs> put him on the riverboat wheels, you know? <laughs> oh, God. Well, that takes us in to your favorite part of every single week on this show, ladies and gentlemen. Segments! Overrated. Overrated. Underrated. Underrated. Yes, everybody, it is overrated and underrated. I will get us started with an overrated. Uh, as always, send your suggestions into polkandkush at gmail.com. Overrated is Halloween candy. And not for the reason of, like, handing out trick-or-treats. I get all that. It's nice to eat candy on Halloween. Do you really have to start selling it and featuring it Six weeks before Halloween. Is it that dire of a need that you have to buy so much candy that you need to have it a month in advance? They're, the stores have had Halloween candy at the front now for so long. I am a man of very little willpower. Yeah. I don't want to walk into a store and have Halloween candy staring at me at the face. If I buy Halloween candy on October 1st, or shit, they're like looking at it September 20th. I'm going to eat all of that candy before these people even get to my house. How much candy are people hanging, handing out that you need to be buying it weeks in advance? Like, are you stockpiling it? How many people are showing up? You just get a bag one day, and then you, that's it. That's all you need. I don't understand. I mean, there are neighborhoods where this happens a lot, but I feel like those people know the situation. This is for every Joe Q public is walking in and buying 500 mini Snickers. Why are there so much candy thrown in my face? It's not that that big of a deal to have that much candy in your own home. (laughs) I'm not a strong man. Can we do something to help me with this? You've got to stop going into the CVS, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, I got to go. Stop going everywhere. Anywhere that sells candy, they have now put it at the front of the store. Yeah. Well, they're going to do that because they're going to get every goober like us that goes in there. Yeah. And they go, you know, I like a spooky Twizzler. (laughs) I like a little, I like to think about this mortal coil whenever I'm eating Smarties. So whenever they put a bag out with a, you know, a tombstone on it, that always really gets me. Uh You've just got to learn willpower, man. Uh, next time you go into that store and you see the spooky candy, just remind yourself that they got that candy before Ida. It's all melted. <laughs> There's maggots in it. It's stinky. Somebody's been licking the bags. <laughs> Don't worry. It's sealed, guys. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, if it was in the wig store, God knows it wouldn't have been there anymore. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we don't know where this candy's been. <laughs> but you do. You walk into these stores. You go like, well, you know, I don't have any trick-or-treating candy. I guess I need that in three weeks. Uh, so I might as well just go ahead and buy this. And then, you know, you're sitting there alone at midnight in your underwear and just plowing through mini Three Musketeers bars with... How much trash does this, you know, compared to like an average amount of food to wrap up everything that is one square centimeter uh, in candy? And you don't even eat candy, do you? I don't uh, I don't really eat chocolate. I eat some I I said Twizzlers. That's really the only candy I sometimes indulge in. Really? It's normally after I hang out with Brandon Ingram. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? (laughs) 
But like no, a, not a big candy, not a big sweets guy. Oh. Uh, I'm not going to have any trick-or-treaters anyway. What, are they going to go through the gulch? <laughs> <laughs> if a child makes it to my door, I'll just I'll give him a DVD. I'm like, you deserve... <laughs> you get $100 because you passed go. What's your Venmo? You made it here? You, like it, you needed a Sherpa to get to my fucking Congratulations door. on winning Legends of the Hidden Temple. <laughs> <laughs> They're getting through this street. Uh yeah man that is uh so you you do not have the same BS that I will have to do no with, uh, this I'm year. coming to your neighborhood to trick or treat it's gonna be quite a scene everybody's gonna be Squid Games yeah. <laughs> everybody. Yeah. everybody everybody absolutely yes uh, uh right. I'm gonna bring some positivity sure. underrated sitting down at a concert I went I saw Future Islands on uh, Monday okay at uh at the Civic Theater have you ever heard them never. They're good. Uh, I saw them at the Civic Theater. Civic Theater, uh, the downstairs, no seating. Uh, that's for the that's for the kids. Yes. They go down and they the jump youths. around. Yes. And, you know, they do needle drugs. <laughs> and they, <laughs> All sounds good. Yeah. Uh, I went up to the second second floor balcony. Beautiful. Full seating. Uh-huh. Bar directly behind me. Not too crazy loud. Nobody bumping into me. <laughs> I used to go to concerts and I'd like get near the pit and then somebody would like jump into me or uh-huh. and knock my and I'd get mad. It's and like I'm making that decision. Yes. I need to be better about my choices. Making the choice to sit in a chair and watch the concert. Best choice I've made in quite some time. I have trouble with sitting at a concert that I really like. I don't mind if it's a concert I don't really care about, and that's fine. But I like to stand and whatever, and kind of like, especially like an arena show. Yeah. It's really annoying to be in there, and like the chili peppers are wailing, and everything's going crazy, and and you're just like sitting in your seat as if you're watching a movie. And it's like, I get all this is going on. You don't feel as part of the experience when you're sitting. And I'm an old bag of dirt you know like but even i like to be for a concert i like it to be a little more interactive and so i do have trouble you consider standing up to be interactive dancing dancing I'm a dancing okay. fool yeah. yes at the red hot chili peppers yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you know and that it is part of the reason i like jazz fest so much is that you know yeah you kind of can do whatever you want there's no you're not blocking anyone's view well you can still dance in your seat Yes, you could when also get mad at you. You can also uh, go to the aisle. There were people dancing in the aisles. The aisles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you feel the rhythm. Yeah. Fucking oh, Gloria yeah. Estefan. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> I'm noodling like a champion on ecstasy over there. Yeah, whenever you go see Eric Clapton, you want to do the worm. <laughs> <laughs> that Neil Diamond show, if you're not they're not in the aisles, you have no pulse. Uh, but, I mean, just like, yeah, even those... I like the concept of having my own space, yeah. but then I don't like the, like, if you were to give me what's your ideal scenario for being at a concert, I would say (sighs) it's the top row of the lowest level. That's where I would want to be. So no one's behind me to get mad at me for whenever I choose to stand or sit or anything like that. Uh, But yeah, because you know, like, I'm, I'm looking to go to a show in Madison Square Garden. I'm actually like very much looking like at the top row when I look for tickets because I don't want some dickhead to be like, I can't see the video screen that's a thousand feet away from me of, uh, you know. Well, you're going, going to see fish, right? Everybody will be high out of their gourds. <laughs> that would be great. I'd be fine. And then nobody would care. No, I'm thinking of going to see Genesis uh, in Madison Square Garden. With Phil Collins? With Phil Collins, Oh, my yes, God. Yeah, so I'll actually already be in New York. That's where Edwin Edwards' ashes yeah. are. <laughs> it's going to be a bunch of olds, <laughs> and they're all going to be filthy rich in New York, and they're going to be like, hey, stop screaming. We all know the words. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I hear what you're saying. I, uh, I just I don't fully... I can't get on board completely. Well, you had a nice time, though? This is a land of confusion. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, he knows me. Um, what was, so what was your takeaway from it? Overall, good, fun show, fun time? I had a blast. Yeah? And if the uh, urge had stricken me, I could have gone in there, danced, and then returned to my seat. That's true. Like nice a, to have that safety valve. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. That takes us into my favorite part of every single week on this year's program, ladies and gentlemen. The worst! The worst! 
The worst is the worst thing I saw or read this week. Most of it was that New Orleans stuff. <laughs> this comes from Euronews.next, that website we all love. New robots patrolling for anti-social behavior causing unease in Singapore streets. This is a real website. It doesn't sound like it, but it actually is. <laughs> it sounds like something to be reading in iRobot. <laughs> There's like a real video and all this stuff. There are new sheriffs in town in Singapore, and they're un- unnerving many who live there. Called Xavier, the robots are equipped with seven cameras that enable them to detect undesirable social behavior. For instance, if you incorrectly park your bicycle, if you smoke in an unauthorized area, or if social distancing is not being respected. Jesus. These machines are a new weapon against insecurity. If the robot is around and something happens, the people in the control room will have a trace and will be able to see what happened. The robots initially patrolled a housing estate and a shopping center as part of a three-week trial in September. Well, at least they gave it a lot of time before putting that on the street. Three weeks? These things are pretty big... Uh, there's a there's a video and they have like four wheels. They're about the size of like a sm- like a mule or like an ATV, something like that. And they have like a bunch of 360 cameras on it. And this is something. Can you imagine this being released in New Orleans? Oh How my quickly God. it would get destroyed. <laughs> it would first of all it would just like bug out like if you poured water on Rosie and the Jetsons, you know, like just like total like, uh, you know, we've seen 1000 things in the first eight minutes of us being on the streets. Do you remember the hitchhiking robot? No, there was a hitchhiking robot that was a fun social experiment in Canada. It was a robot that didn't really I think it had like a camera in its head, but it was it was immovable. It didn't move. Sure. And uh, the thing was like, pick up the hitchhiking robot and take it to its next destination destination people do that and it would get like blogged about and stuff like that it made it through canada Mm -hmm. over like weeks and weeks people are taking photos with the hitchhiking robot selfies blah 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 it makes it to america Uh it makes it to philadelphia and it is immediately smashed to pieces (laughs) with baseball bats (laughs) but the difference here is that this is operated by the police Uh um so far it is dividing public opinion in singapore I think it's good from a security perspective to ensure safety in the society. So if anything happens, you still have footage to track back, said an engineer. Frenny Teow said, uh-huh. it reminds me of RoboCop. <laughs> 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 it's a dystopian world of robots, and I'm hesitant about the concept. Yeah. Singapore... The big Singapore thing I remember is the caning. Uh, yes. When I was a kid, uh-huh. there was a, a guy that spray painted something on a wall, and then he got caned, mm-hmm. which is pretty bad. It's pretty brutal. Uh, so wait, this woman said it reminds her of RoboCop and said that was a bad thing? RoboCop was a good guy, right? RoboCop is is a good <laughs> guy, but he's also a robotic cop. A good robot cop. If it's going to remind you of bad robot cops, then that's fine. This person did not get into the <laughs> robot cop aspect of whether it was when he sees his face in the mirror and goes Murphy or when he shoots that guy in the penis, which actually happened, or whether it was the claymation thing that was a billion dollar kill machine that was defeated by the stairs. This lady in Singapore doesn't even know. She's seen a poster for RoboCop. I'm so impressed by that deep well of RoboCop knowledge on the top of your head. We didn't know show prep regarding RoboCop. That was Polk just remembering scenes from RoboCop. You don't remember RoboCop? I I haven't seen RoboCop in 25 years. RoboCop shoots a guy in the penis. (laughs) How many are there? There's one? There's There's three. There's three. There might be four, but I know there's three. (laughs) There's probably a four. Fourth one where it's like a lady RoboCop. <laughs> like the Karate Kid. There's definitely yeah. going to be like a new, there's going to be like a RoboCop 2021. It's like Tiffany Haddish's RoboCop. We are New Orleans's foremost RoboCop expert podcast. There's going to be a new RoboCop movie with Aquafina and RoboCop's gay. All right. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is absurd. Don't let robots patrol the city. I don't like any of this. I, you know what? I'm fine with it. I yeah. live here. The would not be worse 
if we had robo- robots everywhere, kind of like if it, if it dissuaded well, 10% we have cameras of, everywhere and they yeah, don't, don't do, anything. do anything. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. I think if we replaced the entire NOPD with robots tomorrow, I'd be fine with it. Well, I guess the difference here between security camera and robots is that the the robot is actively being monitored. But it's not monitoring for, like, a bank robbery. That's it's true. monitoring people smoking. Yeah, or and parking illegally. Parking yeah. illegally, that kind of stuff. That's not going to help any. Like, I'm sure if there's a terrorist attack, somebody will know about it. It's not going to be a, a Roomba that, you know, <laughs> figures out that there's a mass shooting happening. Uh, the, the, the cop room, the crime Roomba is just going to get you for jaywalking. Yeah, and you'll be in jail for longer than the guy who opened the machine gun. <laughs> on Canal Street, uh, you know, but that's what happens when you have, you know, the robot, the Roomba cop. Uh, I think it's interesting technology. I'm all I, I used to be very scared of robots and like I was worried about self-driving cars and all these. And I'm all for them now. Humans are terrible. Yeah, just awful. We're sucking everything. I drive to work and I just and drive to school and I just see everyone's texting People are eating. People are yelling at each other. I was like, "This is we're, we're animals. We're idiots. Let's get something with some artificial intelligence that can just do everything for us and allow us to be the slovenly idiots that we are. So you're taking the, the red pill when Morpheus <laughs> offers it. No, the blue one keeps you in the matrix. I'm pro. Yeah. I'm pro robot all the way. All right. Just we got a take robot our job and, and let's get universal basic income and let's let us all off the hook. All right. <laughs> I, I watch the sewage and waterboard work. We could use some robots. Keep okay? me plugged in. <laughs> this is a very pro matrix podcast, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Polk and Kush. You can find us on every single podcast platform. Ask Alexa, ask Siri to play it and they will. Right, uh, rate, like, subscribe, tell a friend. It goes a long, long way. Thank you so much to this week's sponsors, Ale on Oak and DraftKings. Uh, send us an email, polkandkush at gmail.com, polkandkush on Twitter. We'll see you next week. Thanks so much. See ya!